Welcome to Illinois in Focus. I'm Greg Bishop. Coming up, we'll review the week's top stories about challenges against the state's gun and magazine ban continuing in the courts and Chicago Mayor Brandon Johnson's actions impacting non-citizen arrivals to the Windy City. I'll then join the Center Square's Brett Rowland to further discuss those stories and more. That's ahead with Illinois in Focus. I'm Greg Bishop. Are you tired of news that puts politics over people? At the nonprofit Franklin News Foundation, we believe in putting people over politics by delivering nonpartisan news and audio content that serves you, the American taxpayer. With Franklin News Foundation, you can read fact-based, state-focused news for free at thecentersquare.com. You can listen to civil, balanced conversations between policy experts through our podcast network at americastalking.com. Or you can get in-depth news on K-12 education spending, curriculum, and school safety at chalkboardnews.com. It's all free through Franklin, where we put you, the American taxpayer, first in every story, episode, and conversation. And it's only possible through our supporters. Together, we can produce content that puts people over politics and brings Americans the news they deserve. Become a supporter today at franklinnews.org donate. Once again, that's franklinnews.org slash donate. Welcome back to Illinois in Focus. I'm Greg Bishop. Here's some of the top stories from the past week. Mayor Brandon Johnson's looking to slow the influx of migrants into the city of Chicago by impounding incoming buses that do not receive a permit from the Chicago Department of Transportation and by looking throughout the state for places to redirect the arrivals. Andrew Hensel has that story. Around 24,000 migrants have arrived in Chicago from the southern U.S. border in the past 16 months, leading elected officials, including Johnson, to criticize border communities sending buses to sanctuary cities. However, Johnson is now looking to do something similar to what border communities are doing. I don't know if there's any other administration that is working as hard as the people in this administration. Literally searching for property all over the state of Illinois because this is a crisis. Alderman Chris Taliaferro says his constituents are looking to end the city's sanctuary status and put an end to the influx. My my constituents are very much concerned about uh, whether or not we remain a sanctuary city and having that opportunity put before them on a ballot. But unfortunately, because of today's uh, city council meeting, a uh, special city council meeting, that is not going to happen. Border communities have sent migrants to Chicago, New York, and Washington, D.C., among other places. I'm Andrew Hensel. Despite rules for Illinois' gun ban registry not being finalized and continued litigation in federal court, The deadline for Illinoisans to tell Illinois State Police they owned a banned firearm remains in effect for January 1st. The U.S. Supreme Court Thursday denied an emergency motion to block the law while the case plays out. Plaintiffs' groups are expected to bring a full appeal after an appeals court denied a full court hearing earlier this week. Separately, a ruling on a preliminary injunction against the deadline still pending in district court. The judge there said he'll file a ruling promptly, but said he's inclined to not block the deadline, insisting the litigants tackle the merits of the case sooner than later. With the rules not yet finalized and the merits of whether the law is constitutional not fully hashed out, Governor J.B. Pritzker Thursday said people know what they have to register. And nobody is getting, uh, you know, charged, arrested. As you know, the first uh, commission of a violation is a misdemeanor if it even gets charged. The second uh, violation, however, is a felony. Pritzker said the reason for the registry is because the state needs to know where such firearms are, quote, when and if a crime's committed with one. 
Those are the top stories from the past week from Illinois. Find more online at thecentersquare.com. Coming up for Illinois in Focus, I'll join the Center Square's Brett Rowland to further discuss the news. This is Illinois in Focus, a production of America's Talking Network. I'm Greg Bishop. Knowledge is power, and you deserve to know what happens in your state government. That's why the nonprofit Franklin News Foundation is bringing you straight news journalism through the Center Square, reporting on state authorities and publishing stories that show where your money goes and who spends it. By supporting the Center Square, you can track politicians' use of taxpayer money and demand transparency from elected officials. This is how we can equip everyday Americans to hold their government accountable. Become a supporter of Franklin today at franklinnews.org donate. Greetings and welcome to Illinois in Focus, powered by the Center Square. I'm Brett Rowland, investigative reporter for the Center Square, filling in for executive editor Dan McCaleb, who is traveling this week. Joining me today is Greg Bishop, associate Illinois editor and senior Capitol Bureau reporter. You know, it's uh, definitely the holiday season. Uh, I've been watching uh, Elf and Home Alone on repeat. We are definitely in holiday mode over here, and there's been no shortage of news this week, Greg. Let's jump into it. We've got about a million stories to talk about. The first one, though, I wanted to touch base on is the legislators who were thinking about using um, migrants for military and police service. What's the latest that's happened on that? So the issue of uh, the non-citizens in Illinois has been taking a lot of headlines, uh, not just because of the humanitarian issues, but also the, the taxpayer costs, which are stacking up. Uh, Chicago has spent uh, tens of millions of dollars. Governor J.B. Pritzker this week reiterated that the state's taxpayers have spent more than half a billion dollars. Uh, we got to see the funds being spent on uh, food, on housing, on health care. Uh, and even this week, uh, there's been a lot of discussion about the buses of non-citizens coming from the southern border. Uh, heading to places like Chicago and other so-called sanctuary cities. Uh, and even Chicago this week uh, impounded its first bus after Rosemont impounded a bus. And it seems that uh, the sea is shifting a little bit in the sentiments on whether the city as a sanctuary city has the resources to uh, take on that uh, that that growing issue uh, with more than 24,000 that have come to Illinois alone. Uh, and you've got uh of uh, two plus million uh, who've come across just in the past uh, uh, you know, 12 to you know, 16 months or so or 18 months or so uh, in the United States uh, who have come across the southern U.S. border. Uh, so clearly this is this has been a hot button issue on the humanitarian front, but also on the taxpayer cost with people uh, clamoring for all kinds of solutions ranging from more taxpayer dollars from the federal government uh, to even uh, those saying that the border needs to be shut down. Uh, but in all of that conversation, there's there's also been some interesting things that have been raised, including a measure from U.S. Senator Tammy Duckworth. Uh, who has filed a bill uh, that uh, would uh, ultimately allow for members of the U.S. military to join uh, to be non-citizens. Uh, so you would have non-citizens join the military after a vetting process. And if they are in the military and serve their time, it could be a pathway towards citizenship. So uh, Duckworth has this uh, Senate Resolution 2401. It's known as the Enlist Act, and it was actually introduced way back on July 19th. And it remains in a U.S. Senate committee 
of the judiciary. Uh, there have been similar measures uh, filed in the U.S. House in previous years, but this one coming from Illinois U.S. Senator Tammy Duckworth, again, filed over the summer. It would allow for undocumented individuals in the country who pass a physical and other required background checks. Uh, then they could serve in the military, and if they do so honorably, they could then get a pathway towards citizenship in the United States. And this has supports also from Illinois U.S. Senator Dick Durbin. Uh, but again, this measure remains in a U.S. Senate committee. So while we're looking at all of the uh, humanitarian issues of non-citizens being bussed from the southern U.S. border, where border communities are stretched thin with resources, getting inundated with tens of thousands uh, a week of non-citizens crossing the border from all kinds of different countries to the impact on taxpayers here in Illinois states away from the border because those individuals are being bused to Chicago and the lack of resources Chicago has to deal with this. And now Chicago is looking to move them to other parts of the state. You have this conversation on how to possibly allow for non-citizens to become members of the U.S. military. But while that's still an idea that's being floated, uh, at least by Senator Dick Durbin and Senator Tammy Duckworth, both from Illinois, uh, you do have a measure that Governor J.B. Pritzker signed earlier this year after it passed the state legislature, allowing certain non-citizens with work permits or who are Deferred Action for Childhood Arrival recipients, also known as DACA, they could become police officers in the state of Illinois. That passed and the governor signed it, and that's seen as an effort, at least uh, from the Fraternal Order of Police, who supported the measure, as did a handful of Republicans in the Illinois House. Uh, they saw it as a way to keep recruitment of police officers in the state of Illinois and uh, to to gain more uh, police officers in the state of Illinois. Uh, so this is a, an interesting dynamic in uh, the conversation about the, the non-citizens that uh, continue to come into the country uh, and uh, what kinds of uh, jobs they might be able to get uh, with some raising uh, concern of allowing for non-citizens to hold jobs that could mean taking away the rights of citizens. Even State Representative Adam Niemerg, a downstate Republican, he said that he's a firm believer that, uh, you know, citizens in the country should be protected by citizens, not by people that are non-citizens. Uh, so uh, some interesting developments here. Uh, again, while we hear a lot of the humanitarian issues and uh, uh, the taxpayer costs, you've got these other uh, issues uh, that uh, seem to be popping up from time to time uh, concerning how individuals might find a pathway to citizenship. Is it through joining the U.S. military if a measure passes the U.S. Congress? Or is it possibly becoming a police officer if they have a work permit or if they're a DACA recipient? Uh, so clearly there's still some contentious uh, uh, thoughts and debates that are being had about this entire issue. It certainly comes at an interesting time, Greg. The Pentagon announced this week that it missed its recruiting target for the military services by about 40,000 uh, recruits. And Chicago, as we know, has been struggling to hire police officers, um, along with uh, some other departments across the state and across the nation. So it's certainly an interesting story. 
Uh, next, I want to switch gears and talk a little bit about the ComEd 4 trial. Um, so there was some breaking news on that this morning. Greg, can you tell us what happens here? Yeah. So for uh, background, of course, uh, you know, you had um, former Illinois House Speaker Michael Madigan in that position for close to 40 years. He was in the state house for uh, 50 years before ultimately retiring and uh, then facing 22 count indictments uh, uh, alleging that he uh personally gained from, uh, you know, uh, cooperating with one of the state's largest utilities and and getting legislation passed that benefited that utility. Uh, and this is, uh, of course, uh, increasing the the discussion of ethics. And uh, do we have enough ethics in the state of Illinois, uh, especially when you have that kind of power that uh, the former House Speaker had being not just the Speaker of the House, but also uh, the chair of the Democratic Party of Illinois controlling the party purse in that nexus uh, that Madigan had. A lot of people had speculation that there was corruption. Now, Madigan faces trial next year uh, in April, uh, and he's pleaded not guilty. But you had a, several others as part of what the prosecutors called Madigan Enterprise that were not just charged, Brett, but you were in the courtroom for a lot of that in the ComEd 4 they were found guilty earlier this year. Uh, so what we have now is when somebody's found guilty, they have to go to sentencing. And uh, you saw that uh, this morning, Thursday, uh, December 14th, when we were recording this for Illinois in Focus, and people can find the story at thecentersquare.com. Uh, but you saw the uh, the documents that uh, were filed in federal court uh, ahead of sentencing, where the ComEd 4, who are former Comet officials and lobbyists and people close to former House Speaker Michael Madigan as part of what prosecutors called Madigan Enterprise, they're asking for their sentencing to be delayed. Uh, so you may actually be able to speak to that uh, with even more clarity as to what exactly is it they're looking for. Well, the defense is arguing at this point to put a stay on everything. So they're saying stay all proceedings, including uh, post-trial motions and sentencing awaiting a Supreme Court decision, which is expected to come out by June of 2024. So yesterday, the Supreme Court agreed to take up the case of James E. Snyder versus U.S., which the defense attorneys in the ComEd case say could upend those convictions. So they're they're asking the judge to, to put a pause on everything. We'll see how that works out. Now, um, about uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, the d- defense had also asked for more time and also asked to push back those sentencing dates because of other issues, including um, when pre-sentence reports will be filed. So we've seen them essentially say that they're they're very concerned about the scheduling of these sentencing hearings and have have been. This is now at least the second effort to push back those sentencing s- sentencing. So we'll have to see what happens next in that case. I'm I'm guessing a judge will make a decision. Uh, before January, when those sentencing are scheduled to start for the Comed Four, who are um, who have all been convicted, as you mentioned, but we've got um, in the mix a former state lawmaker and lobbyist Michael McLean, former Comed CEO Ann Pramajori, former Comed lobbyist John Hooker, and former contract lobbyist Jay Doherty, who was also head of the City Club. Um, all of them have, were convicted in May, and all of them are s- scheduled to be sentenced right now in January. Um, but we'll have to see if that date holds. 
So clearly there's uh, a lot more to be said on that case. And Brett, uh, I think a lot of people are looking forward to seeing how all of this plays out when Madigan goes to trial in April. Uh, and uh, we saw a lot of evidence come out of the ComEd 4 trial. Uh, undercover video, uh, wiretapped phone conversations. Uh, you got to imagine that uh, prosecutors probably have a substantial amount of evidence they're going to provide in courts when uh, Madigan faces trial. Yeah, I think that that remains an interesting question. I'm really looking forward to seeing what they what they've got. Um, if they'll they'll be leaning on old evidence that, that's already serviced in the Comed Four trial, or if they'll have new stuff. Um, so I think that's going to be ve- very telling in, in terms of, of of what they produce at trial uh, next April. Um, but that's not the only legal news we had this week, Greg. Uh, tell us about the latest on the gun front. So Illinois, of course, um, in the throes of litigation when it comes to the gun and magazine ban and gun registry that was enacted January 10th of this year. And we're just about you know less than two weeks from the January 1st deadline that people have to register banned firearms with Illinois State Police. And it's been a busy week uh, on the issue of the gun ban registry rules and challenges against those rules uh, and the law itself up and down the federal judiciary. Uh, So the most recent news as of Thursday, and I'm looking at the docket entry at the U.S. Supreme Court in Naperville, Uh, In the case that came out of Naperville with um, the National Association for Gun Rights and Robert Beavis versus the city of Naperville and Illinois. This case was actually filed in, in late 2022 about Naperville's gun ban. But when the state of Illinois enacted a ban on more than 170 semi-automatic firearms and magazines over certain capacities, plaintiffs in this case amended their complaints to include the Illinois ban. So it went to uh, the the Northern District Courts. It's the judges there found that the state was likely to succeed on the merits. Then that case got lumped in with a bunch of other cases in the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals. This all happening over the span of this year in the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals, three judge panel. They ruled in favor of the state. And then you had the plaintiffs out of the Naperville case go to the U.S. Supreme Court asking for an emergency injunction while the case plays out on the merits. And I think this is important for people to understand the initial movements all year long on the challenges against Illinois gun ban have been about preliminary motions, motions to enjoin or block the state from enforcing the law while the cases on the merits continue. So all of that we've seen happen in the courts, from the Northern District Courts to the Southern District Courts to the Appeals Courts, and now the U.S. Supreme Court have all been on these preliminary or uh, initial requests that the law be blocked from being enforced so that they can then go back and deal with the merits of the case. So today, the U.S. Supreme Court's Justice Amy Coney Barrett, she uh, took the application uh, that the Naperville plaintiffs filed to the U.S. Supreme Court, referred it to the courts, but also denied a writ of injunction. Uh, So there's not going to be a preliminary injunction issued by Amy Coney Barrett blocking the state from enforcing 
that January 1st deadline or enforcing the state's gun and magazine ban. Now, uh, the National Association for Gun Rights, they did post on social media that uh, they do look forward uh, to bringing the case on the merits to the U.S. Supreme Court. And that's where we go down to the Southern District of Illinois, where earlier this week, a motion to block the state's January 1st gun registry deadline. They had oral arguments about that case. So Tuesday afternoon in the Southern District down in East St. Louis, uh, you had the arguments being made. But uh, the judge down there, the district judge, Stephen McGlynn, he told the court, he said that uh, he's inclined to not issue an injunction blocking that January 1st deadline because he says it could make this situation even more messy, uh, using the term uh, messier. And uh, he talked about how that could possibly lead to people pointing to the Southern District and blaming the federal courts for uh, making things confusing. But uh, McGlynn uh, ultimately said, and he has yet to rule, so he said he hasn't made his mind up, but he's inclined to not issue an injunction. Uh, He ultimately said that uh, uh, he's looking forward to dealing with this case on the merits. And that's where we're back again. I think all of this is going to fire back up, especially in the district courts with these plaintiffs, because there have been four plaintiffs in the southern district. I want to say there's three or four different plaintiffs groups in the northern district. They've been challenging the state law, trying to get those preliminary actions to block enforcement, but they really haven't dealt with the merits of the law. So McGlynn, he says he's looking forward to January and February dealing with the merits. And that's something that could get all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court. So uh, a lot of moving pieces when it comes to Illinois gun and magazine ban. But with that January 1st deadline just around the corner, Brett, and we've been tracking this at the centersquare.com in detail, almost play by play, uh, including earlier this week, our coverage of the Joint Committee on Administrative Rules, where people can actually go watch that video live where questions were asked of Illinois State Police because the rules that are in place right now for that January 1st deadline, they are an emergency rule basis. And there's a lot of unanswered questions. Now, the Joint Committee on Administrative Rules, a legislative body separate from the judiciary, taking on executive agency rules, uh, they did not take any action on revised rules for that January 1st deadline. Brett, we're two weeks away, and they have yet to solidify those rules. There's still emergency rules. There's still tons of questions about what exactly the rules mean for people when they go to register. There's questions about the security of the data that people register when they tell Illinois State Police that they have a banned firearm. There's questions about what kind of attachments an attachment is an airsoft hand grip, a assault weapon attachment. Does that need to be registered? What about a collapsible stock on a firearm? Does that need to be registered separately? So all these different types of really technical questions still have yet to be fully answered and the rules have not been finalized. Well, we did ask Governor J.B. Pritzker just moments ago, actually, here in Springfield. He had an event uh, today on Thursday and uh, a lot of questions about the rules. And uh, the governor said that, you know, he fully anticipates January 1st. The law is going to go into effect and that's the deadline for people to register. Uh, But he doesn't expect people to be charged initially uh, uh, as to, you know, before the rules get uh, finalized. Uh, So a lot of this is going to play out uh, while that January 1st deadline comes and goes. 
uh, with unanswered questions on the finality of those rules, with pending litigation up and down the federal judiciary. We'll be tracking all of this uh, throughout the entirety of the process at thecentersquare.com. But we've got one more to talk about this week. Will crime impact tourism in Chicago? What's the sentiment? Yeah, and this is something that, uh, you know, I guess it depends on who you're talking to. And uh, downstate legislator Chris Miller, he he raised the issue of being concerned of going to Chicago to visit because of the crime that he hears about and reads about. You see the various uh, accounts of even Governor Pritzker recently saying that, uh, you know, shootings are down and violent crimes down. But when you look at crimes like carjackings and retail theft, those have been up over the past four years. That's it for us today. Thank you, Greg, for your insight into all these important stories. But that's all the time we have. Uh, listeners can keep up with these stories and more at thecentersquare.com. For Greg Bishop, I'm Brett Rowland. Thank you for listening and please subscribe.